0: We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Ben. And tonight we're looking at the exciting Space 1999 episode Space Brain. It's just another puzzle day on Moonbase Alpha when suddenly the computers all start to go crazy. All channels are being overloaded by a signal from space. Koenig sends Eagle One to investigate. Along Eagle One's course, they find a giant space anemone, which covers them with foam. And they lose all contact with Alpha. Alan and pilot Kelly are sent to find the ship. They cannot see it, so Koenig orders Kelly out on a spacewalk. To look for it. Soon thereafter, a meteorite mysteriously hurtles back at Alpha, passing the defense screens and nearly causing damage. Bergman's analysis of the meteorite reveals that it is the missing eagle, crushed into a small lump. Koenig orders Alan's eagle to return. Kelly is unresponsive, and Alan spacewalks out to rescue him before returning to Alpha. In Medical Center, Kelly's brain waves are bizarre. When Helen attempts some dangerous surgery, Kelly Kelly leaps off the bed saying, you must not touch my brain and proceeds to the main computers where he is attempting to do something. He is only stopped when Koenig switches off the computer. Alpha is heading straight into the space anemone and will be crushed just like the eagle was. But they have a plan. Since it's organic, if they launch an eagle full of nuclear bombs into it, it might not squeeze them so much. They launch the eagle to save his life The computer must be turned back on. Koenig decides to link his mind to Kelly's to see if the space anemone is trying to communicate with him. It works, and Koenig realizes the space anemone is really a space brain. The center of this galaxy, maybe hundreds of galaxies controlling countless planets and lives, and it's trying to save them. It passes on the info about how to increase the moon's rotation, allowing it to curve past the space brain. But there's one catch. All their nukes are on that Eagle. They try to bring it back, but there's a malfunction. So Koenig does the hero thing, to flies out there to try to prevent it from blowing up. He succeeds, but the nukes are lost. They cannot implement the space brain's plan. Bergman suggests instead increasing the atmospheric pressure throughout Alpha to counter the pressure of the space brain, which is their only remaining chance. Alpha is inundated with space brain foam, but they survive long enough for the moon to kill the space brain like a bullet to the head. Countless worlds are now without their brain. If only they could have communicated with it. Well, space space brain... Space Brain is one of the catchiest titles I've ever heard
1: mm-hmm. of show. It's a show. Space catchy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, uh, what do you think, Space Brain? This. Okay, the, as far as Space 1999 goes, this is my new naked Montague. Wow! Okay. Now we're talking. <laughs> this was. The worst piece of garbage – It it the only reason it didn't achieve Naked Montague badness is because they at least managed to uh, – throughout the mu- – I mean one of the weird things about this episode is that the action music was uh, a legitimate piece of classical music by uh, Holst and it, it was his Mars, the bringer of war from his whole suite, The Planets, which was a little – Unusual, but then I suppose maybe in some very bizarre symbolic thing, uh, if you want to look at the moon being the representation of Mars, it's the bringer of war against this space brain. Okay, maybe symbolically the music kind of works. That's the only thing that even barely prevents this from being the worst thing I've ever watched on television. Hmm.
0: And here I was thinking they used it to uh, avoid having to pay money for a score.
1: Well, I'm being nice. I do think it's an interesting. Tr- it's a very interesting choice uh and I, it it was jarring to be honest. Uh I I was only saying all that just trying to hold on to some tiny shred of optimism um but really that that is just a that's a wasted effort. This this episode is just garbage in every aspect of the word. There is
0: <clears throat> there is another um There is another episode of Space 1999 that uses uh, classical music um, still coming up. And now that I think about it, as we've been going through these in production order instead of airing order, and we haven't heard that episode yet, and we are near the end, so Mm -hmm. I I was only half kidding about the – Cutting the budget. Saving money? Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, because now that I think about it, I really don't remember there being any kind of music except maybe music that we've already heard used. Right. I mean, there's, there's clearly stuff by Barry Gray, who's
0: done most of the soundtrack here and the theme. And, you know, like many shows, you compose several episodes and then you reuse it in several more. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean that's a time-honored condition.
1: Oh, there's nothing. Here. There's nothing ru- necessarily wrong with right. that. Uh, and, and Space 1999's music, for the most part, is really generic, uh, very bland. So it can it can fit all over the place, but which then brings this uh, yeah, the, the use of Holst, to be very bizarre. I mean, I love I, I love the planets. It's 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 a fantastic piece. Uh, it's a fantastic collection for anybody who hasn't really heard it. I, I I love the music. I would say that it did not fit. It, 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 it also just doesn't fit in the places they used it. No, it doesn't fit at all. That's I, what I, can, I mean. It I didn't. S- it does not fit in this episode either thematically or in terms of the overall. I mean. In terms of the context of the episode or even in the scenes that they use. And the, I think there's two scenes. There's two scenes. And so the
0: one at the beginning, I just – I don't get it. And, and trying to divorce myself from any um, context of the name or context of the, of the title or, or what you know about mm-hmm. – well, it, it still doesn't of, fit. It was kind of okay in the second one. Kind of. But it
1: was – Well, a little too bombastic. It is, and if you've if you're not familiar with the music I mean I was able to I, I've watched that sequence like three times I and I, I desperately tried to put myself in the the frame of mind of someone who had never heard this before but had been following space 1999 all the way through so I'm, I'm trying to play you know I'm, tr- I'm trying to straddle that line and when we get to those sequences it feels very very weird mm-hmm uh, I mean, granted, it, it it felt weirder for me because I did know the music. But even if I had not, I, I would have to say anybody who is not familiar with this must have reached that point and thought, "Wow, where did they get this? It doesn't sound like anything they've ever done they just before." They stole that from *The Empire Strikes Back*. Yeah, actually, uh, *New Hope* was. A,
0: I thought the Darth Vader's "The Empire's March" came in. The
1: no, I, actually, I, actually, and this is this is a, a real bit of trivia. Um, the opening sequence of Episode Four, where the Imperial cruiser flies overhead chasing the little Rebel runner, you get that bum ba da da dum ba da dum dum kind of theme. That's because uh, George Lucas told John Williams, "I want something like this," and he played him uh, Mars, the Bringer of War.
0: Mm. I was referring to the fact that that for years, years. Uh, all you'd ever hear is when they came out with Darth Vader's or the Imperial March, that it was a ripoff of Mars, Mm. Bringer of Wars.
1: I never got that. Interesting.
0: I I always liked the Imperial March better.
1: Oh, I love the Imperial March. (laughs) But I can
0: kind of see the similarity. But I could see how if, if you took those two in your mind, if you thought the Imperial March sounded like Bringer of War, then I could see how somebody watching this now might think they were ripping off Empire oh. Strikes Back music, but it's just not—it's not right. I mean, it just—it—it, it, like I say, at the end when they're the—they're all foaming up. Oh. <laughs> I get to use that phrase when they're all foaming up. Um, it, it's sort of, it's sort of a, a, an urgency and something's bads happening kind of thing, which does not happen when they use it at the beginning. Then it's just—it just. Well, they don't out even use the.
1: They don't even use the entire bit, and they only play it when the camera, quote, quote unquote, camera is uh, trained on the eagle. Uh, whenever they would go back to um, Alpha, it stopped, so it was very uh, disjointed in its first use. It isn't until we get around to the second time where they play. It's an abbreviated version. Uh, I mean, you've got you've got it. It's, it doesn't really start i mean it kind of more jumps in but it does yeah, well, it, it's 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 very condensed n- nobody
0: ever uses all of ride of the valkyries either i mean there are the well there's a bits good reason you, why you, yes there is but you know there's the famous bit that you use to get and, and it's it's true with bringer of bringer of war as well there is that really that bit the the one uh-huh. that everyone knows and that's what they're they were going for i but Honestly, was it an artistic choice? Was it a cheap choice? I, I, I I'm not. I I, I don't I'm know. Thinking it might have. They might have been thinking it was an artistic choice, but I'm not on board with it. Or well, it's they're paying uh, you, for that sitar music by going cheap.
1: Well, you might have something with the. It, it may be a really bizarre uh, a combination of both, uh, and they may have very well looked at everything that they had recorded up to that point and thought, we don't have anything that will suit what the uh, Alpha is about, you know, what the Alphans are about to go through. We, we have nothing. But instead of getting someone to actually write new music, uh, I'm sure, you know, someone was just, you know, down the hall uh, in the studio and happened to be playing uh, Mars Bringer or, or somebody was at home listening to uh, Mars and thought, ooh, this might work. Okay, let's just contact whoever, you know, the, the the label or whoever owned that particular recording and said, can we use it? Oh, slight,
0: slight deviation for just a second. We don't normally do this, but I'll, I'm going to jump back for a second uh, because I was just listening to our podcast on the Troubled Spirit today uh-huh. and I listened to the whole thing and I listened to our discussion about the sitar music and... Uh, I remember that I had, right after the podcast, I had actually looked it up. That's the guy. Yeah, it is the guy. It's the guy, the guy that did all that. When you were talking about all the bands in Britain that were using sitar music, that was the guy they always brought in, because he was the guy. Ah. (laughs) He was the one. Uh, It didn't matter basically what band was recording in Britain. If they needed a sitar, he was the guy. (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) So... uh, it was definitely not an actor faking it. No, it was he was the real thing. He's the real thing. Yeah, he was the real deal. Yeah. So anyway, enough on that. Enough on that crazy sitar
1: music and back to that crazy bass brain. <sighs> I mean, can, can, I, can I say again what a really bad episode this is? I mean, this, this one really sucks.
0: You know, it's funny. I was reading through a book on Space Nineteen Ninety Nine that does some analysis on on this, and they were saying, you know, the show's got a lot of very good performances that
1: really sell it. I'm like, really? What? What? <laughs> it's like, okay. Please don't tell me they they refer to this one because they, uh, there isn't. No, they I, were talking not about this, this episode.
0: They were talking what? about this episode, particularly Koenig, just you know, really doing an amazing job. It's like, wow, okay. Yeah, oh, yeah, you're just really? You're just hoping to get a free set of DVDs from these people.
1: No kidding. This was garbage. I yeah, mean, everybody's no. awful in this one. I mean, really, everybody's awful in this one. I, I do appreciate the fact that finally a patient realized, I better get off this table before
0: Dr. Russell. <laughs> before, yeah, before. Doing, yeah, touch because, my brain.
1: <laughs> yeah, because Miss Botox is going to kill me. I'm sorry. I really need to stop doing that. I like Barbara Bain. I know they didn't. I, have I boat really talks back do. Then. <laughs> so, that woman's face scares the crap out of me. Yeah, it
0: wouldn't be the first thing I'd want to see after I was recovering from oh, surgery. Heck no. Oh, it's no. it's
1: death. <laughs> it's yeah. It's the Grim Reaper. Oh, we're not being I'm honest. sorry, Barbara Bain. We really do love you. We do. We
0: do. We do. <laughs> so <laughs> So,
1: puzzle day on Alpha. <laughs> oh, God. How nice that everybody managed to bring jigsaw puzzles. The one that really kind of just bugs me is Koenig. He's got two pieces left, and he has to meditate over this. Li- and I mean, really ruminate. He's <laughs> like, okay, huh. is it this one or is it this one? I really need to do this right because if I don't. All of life could be extinct on this moon. I mean, it's like, really? <laughs> Please,
0: more, how hard is it? There's more to it than that. I mean, you're right. As you get down to the last three or four pieces, a jigsaw puzzle usually goes quickly. He was setting a time record. Oh,
1: yeah. And he's sitting I, there with right.
0: pieces left. He could have just gone thunk, 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 and they'd have gone It's in. one or the other.
1: Exactly. I mean, duh. And besides, uh, all you had to do was just actually look at one of the edges uh, the, the for the lower piece and it's pretty clear that's your that's the one that goes there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was so freaking obvious, and for him to just kind of like stare over at, I thought, really? Did you have to do that? Because already I know this episode's going to be a piece of garbage. But you're not starting it off well by doing that. But it's not just him. I mean, it's people all around. Everybody Alpha doing it's puzzles. Like, it's like it's a puzzle contest. It's like, do you? Th-
0: I, I okay. I'll be nice. I'll be nice. I like the fact that they don't have anything to do. I mean, they're just floating through space and assuming that all the equipment's got green on everything. There's nothing to do. It's bound to be incredibly tedious. So I I get. Yeah, I don't
1: mind that. Trying to show
0: what life would be like Well, they're
1: trying to create a sense of normalcy. I mean, it's just like with the troubled spirit when we had Mr. Sitar guy giving his concert. I mean, I like those kinds of things. I thought it was amusing that there were a gazillion jigsaw puzzles that were all over the place for people to be involved with because uh, I figured, you know, okay, that, well, I, I guess if you're going up to Alpha... And you're going to be stationed there for a while. Sure, you're going to have a little bit of downtime, you know, before it got blasted out of orbit. Actually, yeah, I, I, bring it, more than that. Puzzles.
0: I would imagine that they probably—that's the kind of thing you stock in a rec room. Yeah, I, I mean, I could see that, and and I could see people like when you come up, it, it could almost be a tradition when you come up to Moonbase, you bring another puzzle. And you put it in the rec back because that's Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm okay with that. I mean th- I have no I have no problem with that whatsoever. It was a, it was amusing. It was it was Koenig mm-hmm. that Oh yeah. That's what really just kinda left a bad taste in my mouth.
0: Yeah, it was it was he was thinking awfully hard about a puzzle that was basically done. Yeah. And he was Which doing says it for a lot time. about And he set a, a new record.
1: He set a new record. It it's I mean Oh, it says so much about comic.
0: Here's one that says so much about Victor Bergman, though. <clears throat> the computers start going wonky, right? And I think it's Dr. Russell is running out. She runs into Bergman. and is like, what's happening? And he goes, I don't know. Either it's a practical joke or it's something interesting. <sighs> I'm like, Victor. Um. Victor, for starters, if it's a practical joke and somebody's – That's not a good one. That's not a good one. And second off, if your computers aren't working, I'm not going to use the phrase interesting. I'm going to use, so
1: that's it then. We're all going to die. I would say it's troublesome, at least. Uh Uh-huh. You know, I've become so enormously – I really liked – the character of Victor when I saw this show so way back when Mm -hmm. Uh, I I thought it was fascinating. You know, and a lot of that is due to Barry Morse. I I I loved him as an actor. He's wonderful. He's fantastic. But I seem to remember the character being written so much better way back when and watching it now, I I've just like one episode after another it's like the the layers of disappointment just keep, you know, piling up on top of each other. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just like
0: last time when Helena just leapt to that diagnosis of spine crushed by, crushed by fear. Fear, yeah. How did Victor go from, okay, that thing out there that we know nothing about that was able to crush 328-ton eagle into a block the size of my dining room table, and it left some little organic residue on the outside that was not the pilot's. It is therefore organic and therefore if we nuke it it won't squeeze us as much
1: i I, is that a reflection of the time that this episode was filmed i would be happier if if what he said
0: was well it's organic john let's send up some nuclear weapons and kill it but they didn't they said hopefully it won't put as much force pressure on us pressure on us if we do that like I'm thinking of you nuke it and it's still alive. It's gonna kill you, dude. Oh, it's it's gonna be pissed. Yeah, yeah. But instead, we go with this. Uh, seems like a plan. Okay, let's do that. I kind of hate doing it without trying to communicate, but you know,
1: okay, let's do it.
0: That, <clears throat> yeah. And they were willing to blow up an eagle for that too.
1: Hmm. Yeah, because they have plenty of them.
0: T- tons of them. Tons. of
1: Actually, them. we will see that in a later episode next season we have will a, see they ha- they have a they have an underground garage <laughs> oh we've seen it this, a- we saw it in this season yes we did that's right actually yeah. in
0: this episode you see foam pouring out of the set i mean there aren't any eagles on the deck in the in the garage but yeah no they've got they've got um yeah i I don't know I mean they've never given a number on how many eagles are on the moon base but uh. I would guess it would make sense that they actually had a fairly good sized fleet of them
1: they I mean, they, hundreds, they must. Well, they have to because they keep blowing them up. I haven't been keeping an
0: official count. Somebody asked us to do that uh, when we started Our Space 1999, and because somebody else had kept count on some website about how many people were killed, and you know, starting with 311 and working your way down. And oh, we don't know how many eagles they started with, but they actually haven't wrecked that many.
1: It just seems like
0: it. It seems like it. But remember, a lot of the eagles they wrecked didn't really happen.
1: Yes, they... Yes. And, okay, this true. one that they wrecked on the moon, this
0: one they just crashed on the moon. That looks totally salvageable to me. Yeah. It didn't blow up. I mean, it just crashed nearby. It crashed. They, they can, can fix it. They go haul it back in and fix it. I mean, so, uh, assuming you got parts, but, or they could use that for parts for the other eagles. So, it's not... I mean, it obviously, just, the one that got crushed, that one's... That oh, one's that one's probably going to be a bit of a fixer-upper, yeah. Uh,
1: a bit. <laughs> well, we got 328
0: tons of metal here, John, we can re- reuse. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> you know, it just feels like the entire fleet of eagles have been destroyed multiple times. Mm-hmm. 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 Um So, also calling
0: to mind the trouble spirit: Koenig somehow gets. The notion in his head, I think, probably because of all the stuff showing up on the medical monitors, that Kelly is somehow in communication with the space anemone, as they know it at that time. And he tries symbiosis, a medical technique of linking two minds together. Is that not some form of what we were discussing as being Sort of realistic in the last and realistic's the wrong word there definitely in the last episode where where Victor was talking about um psychic energy waves that you know, we were talking about the fact that they, they seemed to think they were real. Uh-huh. Yet the command crew seemed relatively skeptical, even though Victor assured them it was real. Here we have a technique which is basically that with wires. Yeah. Isn't it so? I, I mean, it, it's keeping with that. There is this sort of brainwave function or something that you can do, right? Um, it just—it's just odd that they have this sort of inconsistent view from episode to episode of what.
1: Oh, please! I mean, what do you okay? Brain can uh, yes. do. Well, isn't – okay, do you, let's just talk – okay, you brought up the inconsistent. Thank you because there is one huge – I'm going to jump off that, but you're right. <laughs> that, is an, that, that is clearly um, a symptom of the fact that the writers just cannot seem to maintain any type of continuity from one episode to the other. I mean they don't have to create any kind of heavy story arc. They don't have to do that. You could still maintain some kind of continuity – we have this. We have and this. they don't do that here because probably the most egregious one of them all is when Koenig is in his little uh, his little telepathic powwow with Kelly, and now we know what the space brain is, mm-hmm. and he gives this whole big speech mm-hmm. about it's the center of the whole galaxy. The galaxy. The and and galaxies. I mean, he he's practically inferring that it's the center. You know, it's the central intelligence of the universe. He is. It does. Sound and I'm like thinking, that. oh, so have you finally come upon the physical manifestation of that space god you guys were talking to in uh, Black Sun? Yeah.
0: I don't know. I don't know if this is supposed to be the same thing or something else but i will say i do still think there's a space god story arc here it just doesn't have much of a plot um <laughs> wow you're being kind you know just an idea here i i don't know i i really don't know i mean are we supposed to believe that alpha is not even in the same galaxy as earth now at this point i
1: think we're su- yeah i think we're supposed to believe it's in a completely different galaxy
0: or is this Hey, galaxy, that's that thing with a, with a sun well, and nine oh, yeah. planets.
1: Now, we – and we have seen that in past episodes where we – and I wish I could remember which one it was, but oh, there
0: – The eye blinking – unblinking eye in the sky. Uh,
1: my, that's the one. Thank you very much. And the, the, the terminology, the use of uh, astronomical terminology was so unbelievably bad that anybody with the slightest scientific understanding must have been insulted at the moment they saw that. And I'm surprised at more – and, and I, I have to wonder how many how many people turned off their televisions when that happened.
0: But since – well, probably none. Because <laughs> if you were at all interested in the in sci-fi stuff, hey, you're eating it up because you're getting some sci-fi stuff on TV.
1: I know because it's all we had. Yes, yep. that's why I watched it. But
0: – but because there's no picture on the screen, like there was in Space Eyeball, which I cannot think of its name, we don't know. Maybe he's meaning that literally. This is the center of this galaxy and countless other galaxies, hundreds of them. Hey, maybe he meant that. Or maybe he meant solar systems. We don't know because it's such an ambiguous and meaningless term. Does a solar system or a galaxy, for that matter, need a brain? What does the brain do for it? I mean, the the functions of a solar system, the functions of a galaxy, whichever we want to call it, do not require a brain to operate. They operate along the laws of physics that we understand. And I, 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 I don't know what they're getting at with this space brain. But having established that there is one and then killing it, mm. I don't know. And okay, let's... Let's take this back one step further. If Alpha, in the earlier space god, the space brain, space god, Mm -hmm. and collision course, uh, and, well, Black Sun was the space god one, and then collision course. So there's two examples right off the bat where Alpha has passed through some sort of a space warp. And there's also the one where they go to to the future and find the moon around the Earth again. Uh, So, I mean, we've gone through at least three space warps. And we have had a consistent uh, indication that there is an intelligence behind those. Right. So did the space god intentionally use Alpha as a bullet to kill that pesky space brain? Ooh, well, there's a thought. Because lined them up and shot them through like a bullet. Hmm.
1: Uh, it, that's that's a thought. Oh, by the way, that episode we're trying to think of—it's it was another time, another place. Another time, another
0: place. Wasn't that the one where the? Wasn't that the one where the? They went.
1: Everybody's to, being duplicated.
0: Right. They go to the Alpha and the fu- Earth and the Alpha in the future. Yeah. There was there was also the one where the brain, the eye was keeping an eye on.
1: Yeah. Uh, that's uh, a different one. Guardian of Piri, maybe.
0: No, that's that's uh, Catherine show. I honestly can't think of the name of it, but it was it was a dreadful one. Yeah, it was. It was yeah. hideous. It was bad. Um, I'm I'm hoping the listeners are out there going,
1: "Ah, I can't believe you can't think of the name of that episode."
0: But I can't think. It's of the name called
1: of it. memory repression. We don't want to remember.
0: And and the problem is, I think there's "I" in the name, and there isn't. And but my brain is stuck on that, so I'm like, "I of Horus," <laughs> "I of Destiny," "I of Hurricane." <laughs> You know, just but it's not that. There's nothing to do with it. Oh, well, all right. Not, not gonna try to figure it out. Not even gonna not even gonna look it up.
1: Um, no, because I'm trying to look it up.
0: Okay, there we go. When you when you get it. So next thing, um, <clears throat> they send the nukes out with a remote control eagle. Then they decide, hey, we don't want to nuke it because we need those nukes, and we can talk about that scheme. So they turn the eagle around. And then once it's pointed back at Alpha, the control systems blow out, and it's now a nuclear bomb aimed straight at Alpha. Intentional? Hmm. Space brain trying to kill them? Solves my problem. Nuke Yeah, them. no kidding. Except that at that same time, space brain is trying to teach them how to get out of the way. or right. Or is this space god preventing them from getting the nukes so that they can't get the moon out of the way so that they can't fail to kill it. Okay, wow. Because it it makes no sense that they turn the thing around and then the control circuit would just go and burn out. Mm -hmm. Electronics don't work that way. Oh, I wasn't expecting you to actually use me, turn me around. Oh, well. So it felt like it was intentional, but there's obviously no reason Space Brain would do that because that's entirely against what It's trying to achieve, which is its own existence and survival. So anyway, I just posit that out there because I still have this massive conspiracy theory that the universe was conspiring to kill the space brain. Koenig flies an eagle up there in his hero moment. He gets out there and he docks the eagle with the other eagle, the out-of-control eagle, heading towards Alpha, and he runs over to the other eagle and he tries to he tries to work the controls and get it out of the way, and he can't. There's no hope. I can't do it. It's, it's locked in place. There's, there's nothing that can change the course of this eagle that I can do. So he runs back to his eagle, which is docked to it and sitting right next to it, a parallel course. Couldn't he have just pushed a little bit? You'd think? He didn't even need to go onto his eagle, All he had to do was to get over there and nudge it out of the way. I mean, yes, the intent was to save the Eagle in the first place. But failing to do that, he could have pushed it so it didn't come so darn close to Alpha. Right? Didn't do it. No. Anyway. Okay.
1: Not as exciting.
0: The intent to get the nuclear weapons back was to – how about this for continuity? They wanted to nuke. They discussed the idea of nuking the moon – ...away from it to create a shockwave to move it out of the way.
1: Oh, this, yes.
0: Which they've done before. Yeah, when they left Earth. Well, and also when they collision course, when they first veered That's away right. from the asteroid.
1: That's right. It was out on the, uh, the vacuum of space. Yep. So there was something for it to react against.
0: Uh-huh. And the shockwave push. And in this episode, they said... I oh, won't. Somebody, somebody suggested it, and they said that won't work. It only works when you have An two bodies pushing against right. each other. Well, it wasn't his exact words, but basically what they were saying is you you have to set the shock between two things because otherwise it won't work. I cannot even figure out what the heck they meant by that. I mean, it's bad enough that you think you can do that, but. And then to come along with a BS answer they said, "Oh well, because there aren't two things out there for the thing to push against, we can't do that." So instead, they're gonna they're gonna put a series of shaped nuclear charges along the moon's equator, and they're gonna spin it like a cricket ball yeah. out of Shane Warren's hands, I guess, and spin it around to
1: give an space arc in its trajectory. I'm I'm not going to go into
0: it, but my my initial thought is is that that's also not something that would happen. Not really. No, I'm not a hundred percent sure there. No, I'm not going to claim to be a physicist. But no,
1: I but the the basic physics. I I mean, I'm I'm not a physicist either, obviously. But I get the feeling that no matter how they place those. The way the expl- unless you could actually direct the explosions to go in a at a specific angle uh in relationship to the the surface of the moon, you're not gonna get that rotation that you want.
0: Well, I think it, that was the intent, but then the question is, would that even work? Well, I mean, first that, off, you don't have anything for it to hammer against because there aren't two bodies out there in
1: space. So you yeah. can't it's like <sighs> I know it's more of the more of this um, boy. This episode was written badly, kind of thing. Mm-hmm.
0: So then we have we have Bergman's fallback answer when that's not going to work because apparently they've finally run out of nukes because those were the last nukes they had, I guess. Which doesn't surprise me that they only had a finite supply of them. Um, Bergman's idea is to increase the air pressure inside Alpha. So that it won't get crushed. So that it won't get crushed. 328-ton eagle made out of all sorts of uber-strong metals and materials. And you think air pressure is going to stop Alpha from being crushed. I'm not sure what didn't stop the moon itself from being crushed. The actual
1: moon... Why not? Of course, why not? Because they even point out the fact that the moon is like, you know, unbelievably small in comparison to the space brain itself. And if the, you know, if these if these are antibodies, I mean, really, what what we had here was uh, a, a blending of several science fiction ideas, not the least of which was Asimov's Fantastic Voyage. And that these were the antibodies that were being sent out and uh, the moon was the equivalent to Raquel Welch. For anybody who knows – who's seen the movie knows what I mean. Uh, Because that's what the antibodies did in that story and and I guess that's what they do in in reality. You know, they surround the the bacteria or the virus, whatever it is, and they crush it. So you'd think you'd be able to manufacture enough antibodies to completely – totally envelop something as small as the moon in relation to the brain itself and reduce it to the size of a marble.
0: Well, you know, it wouldn't be as small as a marble, obviously. Well, no, that, but it would okay. crushed down. But I mean, it would be crushed down to the okay. point where, yeah. Okay, uh,
1: okay. Yeah. so it would be the size of uh, a boulder, a big one. A big one. Air's Rock, maybe. Yeah, but it would still be really compacted. Mm-hmm.
0: And would it be spit out and sent back? Or would no. it continue on its way and kill the space brain anyway? Because it's got the same mass. And the velocity. And the same velocity. But the eagle did get shot back. Yeah, Which, interesting. By the, way, by the way, here's a little thing that they didn't mention. Or well, they did mention it, but then they didn't follow up on it. Why did the eagle make it past the meteor shields? They said it. Our Our meteor shields are not stopping it. And it went right on through and nearly hit Alpha.
1: Because it wasn't a meteor, it had organic. Met- oh, wow. See,
0: now that's an interesting question. Is it like it, did it? Did the shields detect that it was just the eagle and let it on through?
1: That's kind that of what they I were was going like, for, I but they never mentioned it. No, but I think that's what they were kind of hinting at.
0: Like there was another line of dialogue that was supposed to be in there later on, and then they just didn't bother. Um, you know, they could have they could have ignored the shields. They could have just pretended like they weren't there. But instead, they went out of their way to say they
1: created the MacGuffin. Yeah, yeah. It was so unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know.
0: Okay, so we've got the air pressure up, which that's not going to cause any problems because everybody. Oh space suits. man!
1: Yeah, no worries pressure of suits. anybody <laughs> Sorry, getting the bends that way. But
0: they're in pressure suits, Ben. Spacesuits. I mean, they're there to protect you from the crushing pressure of space. Oh wait!
1: Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hold on, I think I might see the flaw in this problem. Right. <clears throat> and and if well, okay, we'll we'll just for just for giggles, Eagle One, or is it Eagle Three? It doesn't matter. Eagle One Crushed. Uh-huh. Inside Eagle One, two pilots wearing their pressure suits. Yep. Therefore, <clears throat> if Alpha can exert enough air pressure to prevent Alpha from being crushed, that must be an equal amount of pressure to what is being exerted on Alpha, which would presumably be the same kind of pressure exerted on Eagle One, which means it is pressure that would crush the suits inside. Inside, so, yep. So this, they would be crushed down. Alpha would survive, but everyone inside of it would be They'd reduced be to a pulpy little bloody mess. Yep. Yeah. The size of a marble, perhaps. Probably. And... <laughs> And then the foam comes in.
1: Oh. Now breaking through windows, breaking let's not, through windows, and let's not worry about any vacuum or anything like that. Especially notice, with all that additional air that's being pumped in there. Notice that,
0: particularly when it broke into Moon uh, Med Center, and there, Koenig is still evacuating people, and I'm like, you are not worried about the fact that the air is escaping, and everywhere the if the foam uh-huh. is if the foam is reaching where you are. Then it's coming in from the outside, and it's got a clear path to the outside. I guess the air pressure was holding. It's a combination in. of the air
1: pressure it was so and high, the foam. It was holding it in. Yeah, it's a combination because obviously the foam itself has got enormous pressure, even though we really didn't see it squeeze anybody in Alpha. But it's got tremendous pressure that mixed with the unbelievably high air pressure to, in order to keep Alpha from being. Squished and you know and completely compressed. Um, that's what kept uh, the that, that, that's what kept the air from venting out into space. And and
0: when they were all done and all those broken windows had to be fixed, that seems like that would have been a big task that would have had to be conducted before anyone got out of their spacesuits. You'd think, yeah, you'd think that. Um, let me ask this question: How visually effective you, was it for you? To be conveying antibodies as a bunch of foam.
1: Well, it, I'll, well. Again, I think back to uh, uh, the you know, fantastic Fantastic Voyage. Although in in Fantastic Voyage that it, that we, we do get a scene of some foamy thing killing one of our miniaturized people, but in that case, it wasn't was an antibody. Glo- it was a, white, was a It was a white blood thing. cell. Yeah. Was it, it was blood. a white blood cell, but it was still very foamy.
0: The antibodies uh, looked like seaweed.
1: They did exactly, which is what we saw in the beginning when there were bit. when it was attacking uh, the eagle.
0: A little bit. There was also foam coming up. Yeah, a yes, little bit. There was bit. Some, there, some there was some foam. Yes, there was. Things, it
1: yeah. it looked like shaving cream. Yeah. Uh, but we were seeing strands initially. Uh, so maybe it's a combination. But yeah, I saw that. and I thought. Uh, it, yeah, it, it took me out. You know, it, it imagines
0: to me that they could only shoot this once. Because oh, yeah, the,
1: the the production mess.
0: Must be. To, and, I, and I just kind of, I was watching the characters as closely as I could. And of course, they're in spacesuits, most of them. And uh, I'm just wondering, are they having like the time of their life? Or is this a miserable, miserable experience for them? Because I could see it being fun. Yeah, but I think I, being almost having a hard time keeping a straight it face. It
1: could be, but I think being in the spacesuits is the deal breaker. I think that's what made it more laborious than entertaining for them. Just hmm. a guess.
0: Just a guess. And um, um, what exactly were they doing? I mean, there was a lot of there was a lot of button pushing and and Koenig and others doing stuff in preparation for the there was lots of activity, and I couldn't figure out, what are you doing? I have no well, idea. It's just like the director says, yeah, make yourselves busy. I mean, you're waiting to die. Do some stuff. It's, it's like, anyway. Um, yeah, I, I got nothing else. Um,
1: I've got so- very little left. Uh, I mean, just a, a few weird little trivial things, but anything of any substance, no. I'll take trivial things. Okay, this one really bugged me. Uh, They're analyzing Kelly, and uh, Victor says those brain patterns are fantastic for a man who's totally anesthetized. And Matthias responds with, "His brain activity is phenomenal, but his breathing is back to normal." And then Helena responds with, "His heart and lungs have adjusted to what's going on inside of his brain." Huh?
0: Yeah, it was a little bit of um. What? What's that supposed to mean?
1: Yeah, I I had no idea. I mean, Victor on one hand is implying that the brain has gone hyperactive. Matthias confirms that the breathing has gone back to normal. Helena says that the lungs have adjusted to what's going on inside the brain. Doesn't that mean that the breathing isn't back to normal? Uh, I mean, I'm not sure. What are they trying to tell me? Yeah,
0: I can see what they're getting at. So Victor's pointing out that his brain's nuts. And then Matthias is saying, yes, but his breathing is normal. And Helen is saying that's because his body has managed to compensate his breathing vis a vis his hyperactive brain activity. Okay, but,
1: I'll give you that, but boy, was, was that badly, dialogue
0: badly and done! Was, doesn't she immediately go in and say, "If we're going to save him, we're going to have to operate"? Yeah, isn't that the next thing? It's like I thought you well, just for her it, it is. It. Yeah, <clears throat> and
1: then she's got to put on that welder's mask. Oh, and then
0: she had the surgical cap with a hair hole in it. Did you see that? Mhm. That was the well. It wasn't exactly a hole. Well, more like a, a bandana.
1: <laughs> yeah, a bandana.
0: Um.
1: Oh, I mean, I mean, really, this was just. I mean, at every, at every turn, this thing just got to be just uglier and uglier as, as episodes go. And now Alpha's picture is up in hundreds of
0: galaxies. Wanted for murder. Wanted for
1: murder, yeah.
0: Of our space brain. Yeah, yeah. The unwitting, duped pawn of space god.
1: Mm. Alpha on the run.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, Space Brain, not the episode that I would suggest you show
1: someone for their not first if, episode of Space Nation. Not if you're trying to introduce them to this series. Absolutely not. This This episode... <clears throat> It's just too cerebral.
0: (laughs) ah ha ha (laughs) ha All right. Well, Ben, thank you for joining me. Oh, so not a pleasure on this one. (laughs) (laughs) And listeners, I do hope you'll join us again next time on Fusion Patrol. Cheers. Fusion Patrol is a Lone Locust production. Like us? Please consider becoming our sponsor at patreon.com slash patrol. We'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Stop by and visit us at our website, FusionPatrol.com. Search for us on Facebook under Fusion Patrol. Check out our Twitter handle, at Fusion Patrol. Or just send us an email at feedback at FusionPatrol.com. Please come join the conversation.
1: Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf.